we are in our second week of this series called The Table. So for those who are here, you, you probably have noticed The Table is right here. And for those who are listening, um, this table, if you can just imagine, I'm on stage and this table is uh, to my right. And uh, on this table, uh, it's set up. Um, there's not a whole lot of food. There's, there's some bread, okay? And it's fresh. If you want some afterwards, just come up here and grab some. That'd be great. Um, but this table is representing what we are talking about um, this week. And, uh, and then also uh, part of the series. This is a four-week series. And uh, so this is week two of that series. And I encourage you to watch last week's as it was the beginning of this. But the table is based upon one verse that we find in Psalm 23. Now, this isn't going to be our main passage of Scripture. We, we have another passage of Scripture that we're going to look into, which is going to be in 2 Samuel, and uh, I'll share that with you in just a moment. But in Psalm 23, verse 5, it says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I tell you what, we, we've had as a, as, a, as a world, as a country, as a community, Lord, we, we've had lots of issues over the past couple of years. You know, with 2020, even lingering into 2021, we've had, you know, people we've loved who passed away. We've had lots of just trials. And when trials happen in our lives, there's enemies that often will come with that. Okay? Whether it be little people um, who are, you know, who are kind of uh, talking negative about whatever is going on in their lives or is trying to follow God, what God wants to do or whatever. Or it could be enemies within ourselves, within our head, trying to get into our head, put thoughts into our head. And so whatever it happens um, that has a negative connotation, it often comes with enemies. We, um, in 2021, particularly in our in our family, with the, um, the death of my, of my mother, uh, tensions with some extended family members and, and just um, friends and stuff, we have never felt such a strong attack unleashed upon us and our family in 2021. And with trials, as I said, comes with enemies. But in the middle of those trials, God reminded us that he has a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. Now, enemies is not people. God loves people. God loves every single one of them. But it's the actions and the spirit behind what people could be doing. That is the enemy. So what does the table provide? We talked about this last week. The table provides three things that I discussed in my sermon last week. Number one, it provides focus. It provides proper focus. Because when you and I, when we focus on the enemies, and, and trust me, in the middle of the battle, you're looking at enemies. Again, you're focused on that. Right now in Ukraine, which we're going we're gonna to pray for them at the end of our service, we're going to have an incredible time of prayer over Ukraine. But Ukraine, Ukrainians, they're focusing on their, on their enemies right now. But I do know that the church in Ukraine, which is very, very strong, in fact, it sends more missionaries to Europe, to Eastern Europe, than any other country in the world. And so we have been to Ukraine with our adoption. Uh, we've spent at least six weeks there at one given time. And we have experienced several churches across, all across Ukraine. And the Ukrainian church is very strong. And yes, they might be looking at the enemy, but they are also, want, they're also at the table of God. And so when you and I come to the table in the midst of our battle, God wants you to know this. Stop looking at your enemies. Look at me. 
I want to focus on you. While we are focusing on our enemies, God wants to focus on us. When we're at the table, we sit across from God and we see eye to eye to God and it brings the proper focus. Number two, the thing um, the table provides is strength. Is strength. When you go to a table, you get strengthened by what is on the table. And that's represented by uh, things like God's word and, and how people speak to us through God's word or through certain Christian authors explaining God's word. And so as we come to the table, we get strength. Because let me tell you something. The enemy is really, really strong. And if you and I, we don't come to the table, we're going to be weakened uh, by relying on, on just our strength. And then the third thing the table provides, as we shared last week, is it provides rest. Provides rest. The enemy does not rest. If you've ever been under some sort of attack, okay, um, spiritual attack, you know that the enemy never rests. And your tendency is to go toe-to-toe with your enemy uh, as much as they will. Can I tell you something? We don't have the energy for that. We weren't made for that. And so Jesus, and, and he, he wants you to come and sit at his table to find rest. Many uh, passages in the scripture in the New Testament talks about how Jesus reclined at the table and he rested at the table where, where he's eating with people. And so this banquet table helps you to find the proper focus, strength, and rest from the battles that rage both on the outside of your life and what's on the inside of your life. And just know this, that table is right in the middle of your valley, okay? When David, King David, wrote this Psalm 23, it was about the valley. This table is in a valley. It's not, after your, it's not after the battle's over. It's not on the mountaintop. It's in the valley when you need it most. Suzanne and I, my wife, learned much about the table as we visited daily for focus, strength, and rest but the biggest thing the Holy Spirit revealed to, revealed to us about the table will be shared in today's message. I remember it clearly. The moment that this revelation about the table was brought to me, I was talking to my son Logan about a particular battle we were, fo- uh, we were facing. And we were home. And I mentioned this verse, Psalm 23, 5, that we just read. I mentioned this verse, um, and all of a sudden, it, it hit me, and a huge revelation. And here it is. It's not about the food sitting on the table. It's about the people sitting around the table. It's not about the food. Now, the table God prepares for you does have food, has the word of God to nourish you, give you strength. We just talked about that. But the table is more importantly about the people God has put around your table. God has placed people around your table in the middle of the battle. Think about it. David wrote this psalm in the, in the latter season of his life as a king of Israel. He knows what a banquet table looks like. I'm sure he had a really long table like you, you, you may have seen in, in, in great castles. I mean, not that you've visited castles much. Maybe you've seen them on YouTube or online. One of the places we, we've gone to see sort of a, an American castle is a Biltmore uh, there in North Carolina. And I, and I know that that, um, that that dining room, that grand dining hall, has a really, really long table that stretches almost the length of this room. 
And so imagine a table like that. The, the king knows what a table looks like. And so it's a really long table, and he can visualize the people that God has put around him. So what's more important, the food or the people? This revelation helped me to see this passage with a fresh perspective. So the table God has prepared for you is about the people sitting at your table in the middle of your valley while your enemies surround you. It helps to know you are not alone. (laughs) It helps to know you are not alone. When this revelation hit me, I immediately began picturing the various people who were sitting at our table through 2021, with many various trials through 2021. I remember the trial with, with, when my mother passed away on the same day as our oldest daughter's wedding, uh, suddenly, and I was reminded of the many friends and church people who were sitting at our table knowing that we were not alone and knowing the thoughts of the enemy. Because let me tell you something, as the oldest son of my mother, a lot of pressure was put upon me to make the right decisions about her health, and I felt like I I dropped the ball. I felt like, well, maybe I should have done more. And so that's the enemy. I mean, no one ever said that, but they didn't have to because the enemy voices were already saying that to me. But there were people sitting at my table, at our table in the midst of that. That's just one example of the many various struggles we had in 2021. Um, Suzanne and I realized the incredible, amazing men and women of God who were sitting with us at the table. We even remember before, before even 2021 started, we had uh, gotten a, a phone call uh, from a, a, an incredible man of God in our community, and he called me at like at 4.30 in the morning, <laughs> And when you get a phone call that early, you're like, okay, what's up? And so I answered the phone call, and um, he said, uh, Pastor, I've got a, I've got a word uh, for you from uh, the Lord. And so this word that he shared with me was about a trial that was coming um, to us. And um, he, didn't, he said what would happen. He didn't say how it would happen. And so I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. So we'll be praying about that. And we just kind of tucked that away. And in the middle of one of the trials, we realized, oh, my goodness, this is exactly what this friend of ours was talking about. Even though we didn't know how it would happen, we know what would happen. And we knew, because he said this in that phone call, whatever's going to happen Know this, God told me to tell you this, your family's gonna be fine. Your family's gonna be protected. Your family's gonna walk through this. So we knew, based upon this word from the Lord, from someone else, that we were gonna walk through something and that we were gonna be fine. So in the middle of the valley, even before we were in this valley, we already had someone sitting at our table that God put there for us. And so you will often have people sitting at your table. God set many people at our table with the trials of 2021. Then one by one, others begin pulling up a chair. <laughs> we, we saw extended family members start pulling up a chair to our table. We saw spirit-filled pastors start pulling up 
a, ta- a seat at the table, begin speaking to us, praying over us, counseling us with, and, and among the many trials of 2021. Longtime friends, and most importantly, our church family, pulling t- seat after seat after seat at the table. And then we realize that we had an incredibly long table that God has prepared for us in the presence of, uh, of the spiritual enemies and many people sitting at the table. When you realize that, it will give you peace and strength. But you also need to be willing to sit at the table with someone going through a trial. There's a beautiful story about people sitting at a table when someone's going through a very difficult time. It's a story about a boy named Mephibosheth. It's a big, it's a big word, Mephibosheth. Our main passage of Scripture today will be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can go to 2 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, so if you don't have your copy of God's Word, you can have your, your digital copy, whether it be on your phone or, or iPad. And for those who may not have uh, that on your phone, I encourage you to download a Bible app. One of the best ones we use is called YouVersion. It's totally free, and there's some other ones online. Uh, but whether you're, um, you're on your digital copy or your, your printed copy, uh, and if you don't have any of that, we have the um, scripture on the screen for those who are watching online as well. So while I turn to the pastors, let me set up this amazing story. Uh, so when David, the same guy that wrote Psalm 23, and the same guy who said, I'll make a pre- uh, God will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies, David was a teenager. The prophet Samuel anointed him to be the next king of Israel. The current king was Saul, who really didn't care for David. So you had King Saul, who was a current king, okay? And then you had Samuel, who was a prophet, and God told Samuel, anoint David, this teenager, to be the next king, even while there's already a king in place. And Saul had one of his sons was named Jonathan. Jonathan, who would be the next king in this family, Jonathan and David were actually very good friends. They were extremely close to one another. It was really weird because Jonathan kind of knew that David was anointed in the next king, but Jonathan, Jonathan said, you know, that doesn't matter. I love you as a friend. I love you as a brother, closer than a brother. And so they became incredible friends, even though King Saul did not care for David. While in a fierce battle, King Saul and his son Jonathan were both killed. When word came back to the palace, the, the lady looking after Jonathan's son, the nanny looking after Jonathan's son, was so distraught that she dropped the young child. So you had King Saul, his son Jonathan, and then he had Jonathan who had a a younger son. And when word got back that they had both been killed, Saul and Jonathan killed, the lady looking after the child dropped. And this, it caused lots of injuries. His injuries caused him to lose the ability to walk. That child's name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. We pick it up in Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. Now, we're going to read the whole chapter, but there's only 13 verses. 
Okay, so we read this story here. <clears throat> now this is after David. Uh, this is after David has become king, and Saul and Jonathan obviously have, have passed on. So chapter nine, verse one. David asked, "Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake, his best friend?" Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, and Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the household, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pray to honor him. Now, obviously, he was, he was lame in both feet, so just probably from the waist down, just was honored, honoring him. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons, he's talking to Ziba, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in, uh, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and, and 20 servants, so obviously he'd be able to take care of that. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant would do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he had always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. The reason why this story is pretty incredible and so beautiful is that when there was a change of, of a family from one ruling party to another, they, the, the next family would often actually kill off all of the family members of the, of the previous regime. And when Mephibosheth came before David, he thought, this is, this is the end. He, he found out where I lived, and I'm, I'm going to die. But instead of that, David said, you're not going to die. I'm going to show you incredible kindness, and I'm going to give back to you all that Saul, your grandfather, the former king, had. You get to have all of that. And I'm, I'm telling Ziba and his family to, 
prepare it and to farm it and have it for you. And then on top of that, you're, you are going to be seated at my table every day from here on at my table. And so that is what I want you to do. Showed them incredible kindness. There's a couple of takeaways I want us to look at from this passage. First of all, we need to be willing to invite people to the table. We need, we need to invite people to the table. The table that you're sitting at, you need to invite them. You can't be sitting at your table alone. Even in the middle of your valley, you're going to want to invite people. And it even could be people that you may not even expect. And God's brought them into your life. Invite them to your table. That's what, that's what David did. And David even invited the grandson of the king who was trying to kill David. He could have gotten back at Saul. But instead, he showed his grandson, Mephibosheth, such incredible kindness to him. And so we want to invite people to the table. And so I feel like that God is telling us as a church that we should invite people to the table, to the table of what God is doing here at Lake Point Church. For those who are seated here, you should have one of these in your seats. I'm going to introduce this. This is, our, this is our church growth initiative called Who's Your Seven? Now, for those who are watching online, I, I've prepared uh, a document for you as well. I know we have some people watching online, so they're going to want to look at the same thing you're looking at. For those who are watching online, you can go to, on your computer, tablet, or phone, and just go to lakepointonline.com forward slash seven. The, spell it out, S-E-V-E-N, not just the number seven. So type that in, lakepointonline.com forward slash seven. And then uh, this will pop up so we can all look at the very same thing. So who's your seven? So the elders and I, and we, just so you guys know, uh, there are four elders in our church. I'm one of them. And then we have three other gentlemen in our church um, who are following after God's lead. And our church voted um, them in. And so the elders in our church have this incredible, bold vision. Now, let me tell you something. This is incredibly bold uh, but we believe it's from God. This isn't just a number that we just kind of threw out there. There's a reason why we have this number. And we, we believe that God has given this number to us. And so um, this, this vision involves inviting people to your table. We are boldly praying and believing for 280 people to become regular attenders of Lake Point Church by the 10-year anniversary on February 10th, 2023. Now, we, we just celebrated nine years this month of being here in Emerson. And so next year, by our 10-year anniversary, we are hoping for and praying for, and we have a strategy, and you're going to be hearing lots and lots more of this because we're going to be, we're just introducing this today, but the strategy is all about who's your seven. And we believe that God is going, God wants to, us to invite 280 people over the course of the next year to Lake Point Church. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, there's a threefold strategy. Number one, we're going to pray. Prayer has to be the engine of everything we do. 
We cannot do stuff on our own. We have got to get on our knees and we've got to be praying. So ask the Lord to reveal seven people in your life who are not attending a church. Pray for those seven by name, one for each day of the week. Pray for those seven. Now, it could be people. Maybe they have uh, come to accept Christ as Savior, and maybe they just have fallen out of church. Can I tell you something? It is really, really easy to do, especially after COVID. We get just so, um, so used to just watching online or whatever. And I know there are people who are watching online that they, they just can't attend. And those who are watching online, we include you as part of our church. Absolutely. But, but it's easy just to get out of the fellowship of being a part of the church when something comes up and another thing comes up and kids are sick and you lose your job or, or whatever. There's lots of things that can keep you out of fellowship in a church. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad family. It happens all the time. And so you may know some people in your life that maybe they've just been out of fellowship of the church. Or you may know, know some people in your life that they just don't go to church. Just, I mean, they don't really believe in God. They, don't, they just don't really have that relationship. And it could be an opportunity for you to invite them to where they can hear about hope in their life. Because one of the things we're going to do every week is we're going we're to bring hope. We're going to bring encouragement. We're going to show forth the, the glory of God through his word, not only on the stage, but even when the, right, where the kids are right now. They're learning about God and, and Jesus and his love for them. And our students on Wednesday nights. And our students did that through Merge Weekend. And so just pray, ask the Lord to reveal seven people, just seven people in your life that you need to pray for and begin praying for them. Okay, who's your Monday person? Who's your Tuesday person? Who's your Wednesday person? You get it? Thursday. And, in, and just have that strategy. Second thing with the strategy, invite. Be intentional to invite your seven by sending a personal note card, inviting them to a meal, or through consistent, casual conversations. Invite people. Suzanne and I lately have been, uh, we do this often, but we actually are starting to see the fruit of this as we invite people over to dinner or to our house or, or just at a restaurant or whatever, and we're able to connect with people through intentional conversations to let them know, hey, we love you, God loves you, and there's a place for you. That's really what, what, we, what we say to people. Look, we just love for you to be a part of the family. Just want you to belong I want you to belong. I don't, care. I don't care what you believe about God. We just want you to belong. And then ultimately, God will work in your heart to believe and then to become the person God intended you to be. That is our overall strategy for our church. But with this strategy of who's your seven, when you pray for them, don't just pray for them. Be intentional. Be intentional. Have those conversations, okay? Stalk them. It's okay to stalk them, okay? It's okay to do that. Tap on the window when they're watching TV. You know, that kind of stuff, all right? So there is a strategy, prayer. So we need to pray, we need to invite, and then we need to connect. Help connect your seven to others in our church during worship gatherings, fellowship events, Bible studies, and casual hangouts in your home. Have those opportunities to connect. We are already, you are already doing some of this already. There's a ladies' Bible study that my wife is teaching on Saturday mornings, and there are ladies in our church who they're just inviting their friends. 
okay, uh, to that. And they're inviting their friends that never even set foot on a regular worship service. That's fine. They're inviting their friends, and they're hearing about God's word, and they're connecting with others, and they're just connecting with other ladies who are in the same sort of uh, pathway of just trying to figure out how do I live this life as a mother and as a, as a wife and as a child of God? How do I do all of that together? How, where, what does all that get mixed in together? And so ladies are already doing that. Students are inviting their friends. We had students that show up for Merge who don't attend on a regular basis, and they've, they've come and they were part of the Merge Weekend. They had students invite, the, invite them. We had one of our students invited a friend last minute on Friday, like a few hours before. Hey, pastor, can I bring a friend? I was like, yeah, bring them on. Okay? He's like, well, just wanted to check. I was like, no, yeah, just bring them on. Students are doing it. Students are inviting their friends on Wednesday nights. People are inviting their friends to Sunday mornings. We're going to have more fellowship opportunities. Obviously, next week we have uh, breakfast Sunday. Invite them here at 1030. Get them to connect with people. Because if there's no connection, then there's not, an op- there's not really another reason to come and be a part. I love the fellowship time and our welcome. So lots of people just shaking hands and just introducing one another. And so we want you to give them opportunities to connect. You're going to be hearing about more fellowship opportunities as the weather is getting better and warmer. And as we open up the ministry center, there's going to be more opportunities of fellowship. And so you can invite your friends to connect. Another great way to connect is invite one family that's a regular attendant of the church, maybe two families, and invite a new family you want them to reach out to. And so they're all together. And then you're able to get them to connect with intentional purpose. So what is our strategy? Pray, invite, connect. Pray, invite, and connect. Some of you are here today because you were invited. You know what our students did yesterday for Merch? As part of the, the Merge weekend, one of the things we did, we went knocking on doors. I mean, like, old-fashioned knocking on doors, inviting people to church, okay? If you're here, some of you are here today because some kid knocked on your door. I don't know what they said to you, and I'm hoping it was okay, you know? So either you're here because you enjoyed what they said or you're here because you're concerned about what they said, and we get that. But our students went and knocked on doors in Emerson, and there are people here today because of that, Just, it takes little stuff like that. Little things like that where you can invite people. On the back of your card, I want you to look at this. The back of your card. So this is where the intentionality comes. So here's what I want you to do. And for those who are watching online, this is on page two of your handout. You can print this out and use this. And obviously for those who are here, you can print it out as well or take this. But you have four areas that I want you to focus on. Number one, your family. Do you have family members who need to be in church? I do. Yeah. You have family members that need to be in church. Do you have neighbors that need to be in church? We do. Our, our next door neighbors. The greatest, kindest people, one of the best neighbors we could ever ask for. And, but we would love for them to be in church. Work, school. Okay, people at your job, 
You probably know some people on your job that don't attend church. Now, whether they used to attend church or whatever, but if they're out of church, if they're out of fellowship, then write their name down here. Leisure, school, students, you know students in your schools who need to be a part of church. I had some kid, new kids from Merch who told me, my mama said I could start coming to your church. I was like, great, bring your mama. Absolutely. But whether it be work at school, think about people that you can invite and then leisure activities, okay? Like if you're on a, on a softball team or a cheerleading squad or uh, for those who, who go to the gym, okay? You, there are people maybe in your gym or, or, or maybe, you know, book club or whatever club you're in, okay, in your community, your leisure activities, people that you know that you can write their name. So here's what I want you to do. You have the me, that's you in the center right here, and then you have four areas that you can begin writing down names. Now, these, from this will come, I believe, your seven. Now, this is sort of a brainstorm exercise. So what I want you to do is take this home, begin praying, and say, Lord, who are people in these four areas of my life that I, that I could just write down? And then I want you to write down several, several names of people. If you don't know their last name, Bob, just put Bob down. All right, whatever. Just, I want you to put those names down in those areas. And what I want you to do is to be able to, from that, from that brainstorm list, then the second phase, we'll talk about this next week. The second phase is you're actually going to identify them, those particular seven, and you're gonna be praying about them. Now, you may ask, well, Frank, what if, what if one of those seven don't, don't start coming to Lake Point Church and start becoming a regular attender. It's fine. You have other people that you can just switch and be part of your seven. But I want you to focus on seven people and then assign those people, and we're gonna, we're gonna give this next week. Assign those people a day of the week that you begin praying for them and you begin using this strategy, a prayer, invite, and connect. To pray, invite, and connect. That strategy, we're going to be talking a lot about over the next few weeks. Now, for those who are here today, some of you are here because maybe, maybe you, you were invited. Guess what? Since we're starting this today, you, you could possibly count as one of the seven. Now, you've got to go and, and, and invite some seven, you know, whatever. But it's all about making sure people are in proper fellowship in a church and can hear the hope of Jesus and can, can have other people walk alongside life. You don't need to be doing life by yourself. You don't need to be doing life by yourself. So the, the first thing we have from this passage, you need to invite people to the table. David did that. David invited someone to the table. And the second thing, this is the last thing. I'm only gonna have two little points and this is it. Not only do you need to invite people to the table, but you need to come to the table. You need to come to the table. Think about what, what Mephibosheth was thinking, was feeling. His grandfather and his father were killed in battle. He was crippled, wasn't able to walk. And he was in a position where he was probably embarrassed to be around people. People had to take care of him. And he was invited to come to the table. He, he could have declined. He could have said, well, you know what? I don't want 
I don't want to do that. Now, obviously, when the king summons you, you, you need to come before the king. And, but Mephibosheth could have, could have said, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to sit at the king's table. He suffered pain, not only physical pain, but, but emotional pain. So here's a beautiful truth about sitting at the king's table. I want you to make sure you catch this. Some people in this room need to hear this about the story. While sitting at the king's table, people could not see his condition. Think about it. The table and the tablecloth hid his condition. At the king's table, Mephibosheth was like every, every person. Now, every person at the table probably has some issues. But Mephibosheth, it was hidden from that at the king's table. Can I tell you something? We all do some things in our life that create sin in our life. Now, I'm not talking about actual physical inabilities. I'm talking about spiritual inabilities. Have you been crippled by a fall like Mephibosheth? Have you been crippled? I'm talking spiritually, not physically. Have you been crippled by a fall that is keeping you from God? Keeping you from God. Say, I don't, I don't deserve to be sitting at the king's table. When you're at the king's table, his grace covers your condition of sin. Like Mephibosheth, you're being sought out by the king to sit at his table. To sit at the king's table. It doesn't matter what your condition is. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter how spiritually crippling you have become because of actions in your life. Either actions done to you or things, choices you've, you've done, you've, you have caused. It doesn't matter what your condition is. Jesus is calling you to his table. And when you're at the king's table, your condition is covered with his grace. Your condition is covered with his grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we come into a, a time where we are responding to this. Here's what I want us to do. Just no one looking around. I want you to think about your life and think about are there, are there things that are causing you not to come to the king's table. He is inviting you, just like King David with Mephibosheth. He's inviting you, the king is, to sit at his table. Are you withholding that invitation? Are you not obeying that only because you're ashamed of your condition? Can I tell you something? God longs to, even if he has to, to carry you to his table. That's what Mephibosheth had to be done. People had to, carry him to the king's table. God wants to carry you to his table, but you gotta be willing. You gotta be willing to sit at his table and allow his grace to cover over you and all of your spiritual conditions because of the fall 
because of things you may have done or things that may have been done to you. So no one looking around. If you, if you have never sat at the king's table and you have been holding that off and you, and you have never set foot even in the dining room to where you can give your heart to Jesus, if you've never done that, but you want to do that now, we're going to give you that opportunity. So what I'd like for you to do is just say a simple prayer like this. Repeat after me. Say, Father, I'm sorry for not coming to your table. You have been inviting me over and over again. I now accept your invitation. I want a seat at your table I want your table to cover my sin, to cover my shame. I invite you to be Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to know about it. So I'd love to hear about it in the, in the lobby. But I want also, for those watching online, you can send a prayer to pastor at lakepointonline.com. Just send me an email. Even though sitting here, you send me an email or let me know in the lobby. I'd love to know about that. But here's what I want us to do. We need to have a time of prayer as we close out this service. So we've got, um, we've got some people in our church who uh, just need to be prayed over. And so there's lots of different conditions that are coming. We, we've got people in our church who have, um, who have um, surgeries and procedures even as early as tomorrow. We've got people in our church who, who have procedures coming up. So we need to, we need to be praying over them. And we're, we're going to invite them just a moment to come down here. And I need people praying over them. In just a moment, our elders are going to come down here and some of their wives um, as well and to be able to pray for you. And so... If you've got something in your life you need to be prayed over, I want you to do that. And also, here's a second challenge. We want you, if you haven't been coming to the table of God because of something in your life, I want you to come down to the altar. You don't have to pray anybody with anybody. You can, but the altar is open. Or maybe God has laid one of those seven on your heart so strongly that you feel like you've got to be praying for them right here, right now. The altar is open. So what I want us to do, I want us to pray for that together first, and then I'm going to come up. We're going to have a time, just a short time of praying for the people of Ukraine. All right? So let's close this out with the time of prayer. Let's everyone stand together as Logan sings, You Come to the Table. And for those who have situations or uh, things in your life that you need to be praying over, I know that uh, we, I've invited some people to come down. Invite them to come down. Let's pray together. And then let's pray for God to move in people's lives.